From old school to new, from analytics to your gut feeling, and from nuance to a blistering hot take, Cleve, Dave, and Matty Ice present to you Political Football. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Political Football with Cleve, Dave, and Matty Ice. Matty Ice is back. I was off last week on some pseudo-vacation. Uh, basically, I just you know didn't want to talk football last week, I guess, because we were going to get into election stuff. And I mean, as a white guy, who needs to talk about that? So I am back to to bring the, the three-person uh, pod back, if you will. But first of all, a little bit of business. Uh, find us on Instagram, Political Football Podcast. Dave, listen to that one specifically, because uh, I know you forgot it last week. Uh, of course, uh, Matty Ice Media on Twitter. I'm trying to meet as many people as possible on Twitter. And www.mattyicemedia.com for all of the other Matty Ice Media podcasts, like The Manual with Cleve Wayson. So, Dave, Cleve, welcome back, fellas. I Yo. legitimately was not listening to what you said until you said, Dave, listen to that one. And I was frantically trying to figure out what you said, but I have no idea. So let's go to Cleve. Cleve, what's up? Yeah, you probably should play for the Raiders at this point, talking like that. Oh, wow. <laughs> listen, listen. I'm not paying attention to what's happening around me while I'm trying to perform. I'm basically Travis Scott. Oh, wow. Whoa. That is that's man. low, man. Whoa. That's Whoa. low. Brass knuckles to the temple. Nice. Man, fuck that, fuck that guy. <laughs> I, you know I, what? Yeah, I don't know much about him, so I can't. Um, I can't comment. You know what? I um, I, I was catching a story here and there about it, and I just couldn't. I couldn't understand. Uh, I haven't been to a concert myself in years, so I wouldn't know protocol or if something's happening. I don't like crowds, so it was something definitely I wouldn't have been at. Actually, Chrissy asked me about how something like that would happen because she was conceptualizing this in her mind about she's like aren't they on a big field you know there's plenty of room to move like i don't understand how something like this happens and i was like well i've been involved in something like this where it can get out of hand very quickly you have that many people who all just want to push forward like how are you supposed to get out of that it doesn't matter how much space you have around you if enough people converge on you you're going to get trampled and suffocated and i was able to get out of the situation before it escalated and it just was not something I'm comfortable with. Like as many mosh pits as I was in, I don't want to get suffocated and trampled. So I would not have been in that situation, but it can escalate very, very quickly. And it sucks because the performers sometimes aren't even aware of it, right? They're like, yeah, they're not even aware of it as it's going on. I mean, I think it was last week, uh, the band Slipknot, there was a big bonfire that happened at one of their concerts and they, they were still performing until the fire department got there. And then they finally decided to put it out and stop the concert for half an hour. But it's like the performers are, are worried about performing and not, not that, but I don't know much about Travis Scott as a personal dude. So if Dave knows more than I do, uh, feel free to, to tee off on the guy. I just don't know anything about him outside of the fact that he has some pretty decent shoe collaborations. I mean, I'm just saying that he had people, as I understand it, from the first time somebody tried to get him to stop at the show until the point they finally did, it was like 30 minutes. Jesus, he's trying to get yeah. his work in. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, there's videos of him up there rapping and singing while like some dead person's being taken out of the crowd, you know? Jeez. Like it's not, yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know what he can be charged with criminally. I'm sure civilly. A lot of people are about to make a lot of, oh yeah, a yeah, lot of money I, here. I just look at it because I think he said something about uh, he was going to start refunding tickets. I'm like, really? I'm like, how about the hundreds or maybe thousands of lawsuits that are coming your way that you might be finished as a performer? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, people will want to yeah. book them, like, because the liability. I mean, how much will insurance do oh, yeah. you have to, uh, yeah. um, book, book this guy? Book Travis Scott. Yeah, I think we should also say, too, like, condolences to the, the families of the people that passed away, too. I mean, like, that's super oh, tragic. Yeah. Like, think about it in the pandemic, too. Like, we have been stuck inside in many in many ways, and, like, somebody has a ticket to this, and it's probably, yeah. like, this is the, like, the, the most thing they've looked forward to in so long. And they don't come home from it, and that's that's an unfortunate that's thing. Crazy that's stuff, an unfortunate, bro. fortunate thing. So, I think we need to say that on on the back end because we're talking callously about Travis Scott, but it's really about the the people who passed away, the victims there. Yep. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I uh, feel so awful for them, and the reason I feel so awful, the reason I talk so callously about Travis Scott is because I feel so terrible. Oh, yeah. For these people who were um, who were harmed, like like literally, like don't do harm to other people unnecessarily. It pretty much drives all my political beliefs. So yeah, that's that's why Travis Scott's now on my uh, on my shit list. And much like last week, where there was no easy way to tr- to transition from Henry Ruggs to football, there's no real smooth way to do this either. So we're just going to do it. Um, I'm here for. And it. we're gonna talk about the the Jets cleave thirty yeah. at the Colts forty five. Uh, White Mike gets hurt early in this game, and the Jets should had no chance. I gave him the kiss of death, man. Like I, I, I set up my little, my little, my little tray to watch the TV, and I'm like, really? As I watch this, the previous performance, the guy goes his jack. I mean, his jersey goes into the Hall of Fame. In this game, I see a arid throw, and I'm like, really? That's all I'm gonna get from this? Um, but yeah, no fight in that team. Um, the the guy that got in, you said you knew him. He's been in the league forever, right? Yeah, Josh Johnson. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know Josh Johnson. You guys went to high school together in the fifties. Um, Seahawk, former yeah, Seahawk? Josh, uh, former like from I mean, everybody. Played, <laughs> he played. He played for Jim Harbaugh at San Diego. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I, I might have still been in college back then. I don't know. Like that was that long yeah, ago. Yeah, it, it was. It was a. It was a long time ago. So yeah, Josh Johnson's been on for a while. But he put down his prune juice and his Werther's original. Comes in the game. Goes goes 27 of 41 for 317, 3 and 1. So he played fine, especially for like just coming and cold off the bench. But the the Jets had no shot in this game. Um, Last note on the Jets Elijah Moore had his breakout game, though. Seven catches, 84 yards, and two touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Very excited for that. Excited for him. That's a very good football player that the Jets have. From the Colts side, Carson Wentz in this game. 22 of 30, 272 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Jonathan Taylor, 19 carries, 172 and two. That yeah. is just too easy. Yeah, he 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 ran a rough shot. Um, and one thing more about the Jets: anyone named not Zach Wilson can have a great game <laughs> coming in for the Jets, bro. That that has to say something about who we got. I was actually going to well, ask that because this is now two backups. Like, White Mike was one thing. He's the backup, but then when the, the third string guy comes in. Backup And again, it was a blowout, so you can't take too much from it. But obviously, if you went to bed when it was halftime, you thought that the Jets were going to lose by five touchdowns, and the score did not indicate how lopsided the game was until that point. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that really an indictment on Zach Wilson, or is it just the fact that I don't know? Like White Mike looked really good, and he didn't look that great against the Patriots. So, like, is it Zach Wilson an indictment, or is it just kind of two lucky games in a row by Jets backup quarterbacks? So I don't think it's an indictment at all because all three are very different. So Zach Wilson is a you know unleash the dragon down the field bomber who's in his like 
sixth game, so he doesn't really know what he's looking at yet. He's not very accurate. White Mike can throw the ball like 13 yards down the field. He's accurate, but he can't really push it down the field. And then Josh Johnson is 800 years old, so he's seen every defense there is to possibly see, so he knows what he's looking at. So, like, if you could put them all together, you might actually have Peyton Manning, but instead you're just, like, splitting them up into composite parts. And so with what Zach Wilson is good at it, he has the most downside. Like if he's not connecting on these deep shots, they're going to lose. If he is, they're going to beat the Titans. And it's as he gets better, then you'll start to see some progress from him. So I don't think that uh, it's an indictment on Zach Wilson. It's just easier to have a median performance with White Mike and Josh Johnson. But White Mike and Josh Johnson were never going to beat the Colts in this game. Yeah, I I would kind of go left on what you just said, uh, only because the guy, the Josh Johnson guy, didn't probably get enough reps to get in, and he gave he get in in a loss. He looked like to Matt's point, he looked pretty. He had a great. I mean, the stat line alone, it's not great, but it's not horrible. Um, Zach has hasn't shown me at yet anything like that, and that's. That's the, the backup for the backup coming in there and running mop-up for these guys. Yeah, but Josh Johnson invented the forward pass. So, like, <laughs> you know, that's what I mean. Like, he's got so much experience yeah. that, like, he's not going to get fooled by NFL coverages or have to get used to the speed of the game. Like, none of the rookie stuff. He was a rookie literally, like, when Bush and Kerry were running yeah, they said, each other. they said 2009 or something. He got yeah, the it's been, it's it's been, crazy. It's been, it's been forever. So, like... <laughs> It's not uh, – Zach Wilson might be awful. I said last week he might be the worst quarterback in the XFL. We don't know it yet. But I don't think that we can use White Mike's and Josh Johnson's um, performance. As a barometer. As, yeah, as a barometer to, to know that. Last note I have on this game, uh, Michael Pittman Jr. is already better than his dad. Really? Wow. I just want to point out, too, of the three quarterbacks we just talked about, only one of them is in the Hall of Fame, and that's White Mike. There we go. Yeah, but Josh Johnson is personal friends with George Hallis. So I'm sure he'll get in <laughs> whenever he eventually whenever he eventually retires. Okay, the next game here, we got the Raiders 16 at the Giants 23. And I was, I was uh, watching this game. I was like, there's only so much shit human beings can take and like and still focus and still work. And between the John Gruden situation and then the Henry Ruggs situation, there was no way the Raiders were showing up for this game. Like, even if even their best effort in this game was never going to be good enough, and it wasn't. I mean, to score 16 points against against the Giants is is terrible. Uh, both of these teams played like complete ass. Cleve, which Giant led the team in receptions? Well, it wasn't. It wasn't Tony. It sure wasn't. Was it Shepard? Nope, he didn't play. He didn't play. Oh shit! I was know. it Kenny Galladay? Is he is he playing? He was. Was it him? No. Was it Darius Slayton? Was it Evan Ingram? Was it Devontae Booker? It was none of them. It was Kyle Rudolph. What? The uh, the, the ex-Viking? <laughs> wow. <Get> yes. <laughs> With four catches, he led them in receptions. Meanwhile, Darius <laughs> Tony had one target. Excellent. Jason Garrett is an insult to football. It should be banned. Like, Jason Garrett calls plays like Nikola Jokic runs into players on the court. It is terrible. <laughs> and he could be banned from the league. I mean, it's it's insulting. And now I'm in the position of arguing with myself because I'm like, throw the ball to Tony more. But, like, throw the ball to Tony more. Now you bring yeah. up a good point. But it's funny, though. Like, this game, right? Because I've been saying for a while that I thought the Raiders were frauds. And they're continuing to prove me wrong. And if you were going to tell me that there was a team that they would lose to that would prove my point, 
the Giants would have to be on that very short list of teams that would prove it because we have a little bit of a personal stake in the New York Giants as a show, I think, right? I think we've ruffled <laughs> some feathers, not just in the front office, perhaps in the New York, New Jersey area as it relates yeah. to the New York Giants. And so we have you guys take, are marked men. We've taken liberties on the Well, I personally haven't really taken liberties <laughs> on the Giants, but I know Dave has had a lot of things yeah. to say about the New York Giants. But I don't take liberties with the Giants. They suck. <laughs> They're going to suck. They're run horribly. They're going to make another bad hire. Daniel Jones is terrible. They're going to draft another bad quarterback. They're just awful. How is that liberties? Your face, sir, is probably in every deli from from here from here to Cape May. <laughs> That'd Man, be I love awesome. Cape May. That'd be awesome if Dave had a sandwich named after him at like a Jewish deli oh, yeah. somewhere <laughs> that people go to after Giants games. But anyway, the Raiders. I feel like Dave, you're you're right though. Like the Raiders, there's only so much that a team can take. I mean, Gruden, Henry Man. Ruggs, um, I the I, I uh, the other guy that I I texted you guys about offline who i can't remember who apparently is a scumbag and i just didn't know it damon arnett there you go so yeah, there we go there is only so much that that they can handle but if if there's ever going to be another like in season hard knocks i would have actually liked to see the raiders during this season instead of the gruden yeah. season because can you imagine like there's actually some compelling storylines like Derek carr has been put in a position to be the voice of the franchise in a lot of ways right especially with the henry ruggs thing and and the john gruden thing and it's a tough position to be in and i feel like he has at least a, you know done his best to to seem like a captain of the team if that makes sense they've gone through quite a bit of, of stuff and so hey if they, if they lose to the giants and that's the worst that it gets for them then um i guess their season i mean isn't lost he, yet he gets a he gets to live live another year there because um, if Gruden was still there, he, he was on his way out. So Derek Carr gets to survive possibly another year oh, uh, Derek as a Raiders gone. quarterback. He's yeah, gone. you think so? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's of gone. His, of his money, own volition money, or, or money. Money. You know, this doesn't cost too much. Uh, but there will be no shortage of teams looking to looking yeah. to sign him. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So this game didn't really have much in it. It was just clear watching the Raiders that they had you know, I'm not really a feelings ball type, but it was like this team just is not there. They just are not yeah. here for this game. So I'm actually glad they escaped without getting like any sort of major injuries or anything. The um the next game here, we got the Falcons 27 at the Saints 25. Oh, man. Trevor Stimian, 25 of 41, 249 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He's okay. Yeah, you He's think? Okay. <laughs> He's okay. He's okay. Yeah. Hey, the, hey, you know me. I like a guy that helps himself. You know, not not figuratively or literally. You know, a guy helps himself. So um, real good quick, for him, uh, Tre- Trevor Simeon helped himself into the NFL against the Michigan 2012 Michigan Northwestern. Northwestern's starting quarterbacks, their only really good player, Kane Coulter, twists his ankle in the early third quarter, goes out of the game. And I'm like, well, okay, this is an easy win from here on out. Backup quarterback comes in, looks like he's in sixth grade, whatever, and starts slinging dimes all over the field. Dean goes like quadruple overtime where Michigan has to win and it's Trevor Simeon. Wow, like, I did not know that. Kid? Like, like literally his arms were like spaghetti. He, he was like five foot tall and I'm like, who is this kid just slinging these dimes all over the field and then he's in the NFL and then he started and he's still playing. Like he's, Helped he's himself okay. out. Helped himself <laughs> out. Yeah, he's like, he's like white Mike's final form. Um, <laughs> uh, no, in this game, the Falcons jumped out to a big lead, blew the lead and then one on the last second field goal. What else is new with these guys, man? Yeah, it's, a, it's the curse. The curse of the Patriots. I think if the if the season ended today, the Falcons would be the seventh seed in the NFC. Is that true? I feel like it that is. That was my question for Cleve. Oh, sorry. Spoiler oh, really? 
Yeah. Spoiler, hey, Cleveland, okay. the Falcons be in the playoffs if the season ended today? Yeah, well, <laughs> no, now, now knowing what's behind the, uh, the wrapping, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they would. They would make the playoffs if the season ended today, which seems, which feels insane because it feels like they have two wins. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. It does. Every time they're on my on my TV screen in Red Zone, I think that they're one of the worst teams in the league, and yet they've won four out of their eight games. I don't. I don't get it. But that's that's a good that's a good like indicator for fraud. I think so. <laughs> you guys, oh. you guys taking liberties, huh? Oh no. no! I mean, when we talk about frauds here, in my opinion, a fraud is a team that is overachieving and is not going to live up to those expectations. So, like the Raiders at five and two, I did not feel like the Raiders are going to end the season twelve and five or something like that. Like I just didn't see it. So they felt like frauds at at five and two. Let's take the Broncos three and zero, and you're like, yeah. If if any of our teams started three and zero, we'd be happy. But when you look at it and they face the Jets, the Giants, and some other shitty team, I can't remember, Texans, Jags maybe, or something like that, that's fraudulent. They're not going to be that good, like 3-0 and good. Like, that's not going to extrapolate through the entirety of the season. And so I think Dave's right in that 4-4 four and four for this team feels like overachieving. And by the time we get to the end of the season, their record will be a little bit more indicative of, I think, what their overall team talent is is that about right dave yeah because if you recall last year when i declared tampa bay to be frauds they got smoked by kansas city like 38 to 3 they went on their bye week with five weeks left in the regular season and they played no teams that were going to make the playoffs in those last five weeks so after they won like three of those in a row against these you know bottom feeder teams everybody started to talk them up or whatever and i was like well, they're not actually that good. The last time they played a good team, they got trounced. And then in the first round of the playoffs, they even played a uh, Taylor Heineke and the Washington football team who had a losing record, even though they were hosting them in the in the playoffs. And I'm like, still fraudulent because they still have not played a team with a winning record in like seven weeks. So that's what goes into more of the identifying the fraud is like, are the expectations and the hype that they're getting billed for worthy and cleave you and i are about to disagree here based on our uh text thread that the three of us have the next game we have the bill six at the jags nine my position is that this game is absolutely meaningless for the bills from a prognostication perspective like they just played really bad and they lost a game they shouldn't have lost but they're still really good all the way around but cleave i know you have a different opinion i just i just think uh, with with Josh Allen, you, you don't know who's going to show up. Um, he's I don't know. Like they're going into that, going into that. I think I text you guys. I'm like, why aren't they kicking the shit out of these guys? Like they should have they should have scored a gazillion points. And I know sometimes you get a trap game or whatever it was, but I just had a feeling. I'm like, what am I watching here? And you know what? The Jags showed up. I mean, their defense showed up at least. The defense did yeah. their job. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the other Josh Allen helped himself out. I was about to yeah, say. Did you so know there's a Josh Allen on both teams? Yeah, I was going to say so much so that um, Scott Hansen was literally jerking off on our TV screen about that scenario the whole time on Red Zone. And I heard it put very perfectly about Scott Hansen that he's the guy when you're in the middle of a good time that says, We're having fun. Like he's the guy that yeah. declares we're having fun. <laughs> we're having, yeah, exactly. And I, I thought he was going to have to like take a take a few minutes and go bust a nut or something like that because he seemed very intrigued by it. Um, but a couple things about this game. I am wholly convinced that both of these teams got together, watched the playoff game from whatever it was, 2018. Tyrod Taylor, I think, had led the Bills to the playoffs for the first time in 20 years or whatever. And that was one of the worst football games I've ever seen in my life. And it's like, let's recreate that. 
with significantly more talent on the Bills than than that team. And let's just recreate it. It was oh my god, it was bad. I mean, Trevor Lawrence had six fantasy points. Six. Yeah, it. You know what? It it lends to what we always say about red zone. Thank God it exists because could you imagine that was a market game for somebody who had to sit there and watch that entire game? Holy shit! I've said that three times this week. <laughs> Man, I would rather watch Scott Hansen repeatedly orgasming over <laughs> two Josh Allen's in a game than watch <laughs> one commercial during an NFL game on a Sunday afternoon. Oh, I actually I mean, said that every shade every single year. I say. At some point in the season, this game, if, if somebody wants to know why did they create Red Zone, there's always a game that is like this right here. So nobody <laughs> has to put themselves through this. Like, this is why this was created. There is not going to be a game this season, I don't think, that can that can top the Jags-Bills game. Like, I, even, even, against, even with two bad teams, like, that game was so, so, so bad. Yeah, this game, this game was terrible. Now, I mentioned that for the Bills, it wasn't important for, like, in my opinion, for judging them as a squad or as a team or anything like that. However, for their season outlook, it was very important because various nerds have estimated that your odds of making the Super Bowl are two times as high if you're the number one seed versus mm-hmm. the number two seed because only the number one seed gets a buy now. And so if you're in the competition for the number one overall seed in a conference, you cannot be losing games that you should that were favored by 14 and a half points going in. Like you yep. need to scoop up these easy wins because you have to get the buy because it's so hard to be a Super Bowl contending team. And when you are, you have to be that number one seed and Buffalo really hurt their chances at that by losing this game to Jacksonville, a game that any other contemporaries play, they're going to win by 10 to 15 points. So the Bills still are who I thought they were, but their path may have gotten a lot harder because the, the path to the Super Bowl might not go through Orchard Park now. Yeah, and we'll, it'll go through someplace that'll wholly piss me off that Dave will get to a little bit later. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and actually, we might get to that place right now. Oh, I'm good. not quite ready to call this, but I'm thinking I'm thinking I might have a call for number one seed in the AFC. And that is the Cleveland Browns 41 and the Bengals 16. Yes. I think the Browns are um, – I think that they shed some dead weight from their perspective. Yeah. They're feeling a lot better. Now, this game flits – on a 100 uh 100 yard pick six by Denzel Ward. And I don't know if you guys saw this highlight, but Joe Burrow is still looking for his ankles. Ooh, wow. Got juked. Oh my goodness. Like like I mean, hilariously. Like like imagine me trying to guard James Harden one on one. I would actually pay <laughs> like, to see that, Dave. I would also I would pay for that experience. Um, <laughs> yeah, but all you gotta do is hand check. Uh, you, you, all you gotta do is hand check him, or you know whatever, because like the new rules now, he can't basically play anymore. So you'd have an advantage. Now, to be fair, when I was 10, 11, somewhere in there, I did beat Gary Payton in a three point contest at the Basketball Hall of Fame. So I can I can hang a little bit. Oh shit! Um, is there is there documentation for that? Yeah, we it, yeah we need film. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, roll the tape. I don't know. The, the point is, I said, I've never shot that well in my life, but you know, what can I say? I'm clutch. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, I have a couple things here. One is that the Browns and the Bengals have the same record now, but when you look at like media coverage of the two teams, it really doesn't feel like it. You would think that the Browns are underwater and the Bengals just had a bad game, but they're, they're both five and four. Baker, I think Baker wanted to come out and prove something. Is he playing hurt? Does he have like a torn... Uh, labrum or something like I remember he he was he was nursing some injuries shoulder 
Well, it's not looks, to his throwing arm. No. And then touching the pass down to People's Jones, where he threw it 60 yards in the air off his back foot. Yeah, guess he's doing all right. No Odell. Listen to what you guys said about OBJ last week. And I do believe that it's not necessarily like a Baker problem or an OBJ problem specifically. I just don't think it was a fit for the team. And I think OBJ mm-hmm. is probably fine somewhere else. But they, they, there was something that didn't click between the two of them. And so when you say like getting rid of dead weight, like I don't think that necessarily OBJ is like washed, but I just think that it had run its course with the Browns. And I think trying to shoehorn him into the offense seemed, it, it didn't seem to be working. And so what happens? Well, they get rid of him and then they look great against the Bengals who now have had two really crappy performances in a row. Well, it's, it's only one football. And I think yeah. Dave made this point offline uh, about two weeks ago when he said that OBJ should go out for, like it was a pass or something he said that he needed to lay out for this or whatever it was and I, for, I forgot what the play was but when he said that that's when this entire thing House of Cards came collapsing down but again um, going back to Dave's take on target share on the team you know Landry you got I mean you got people out there running other routes as well and if you're not the guy you're not the number one then what, you know, what are you going to do? Then it may be time to get out and go somewhere else. But he's going to have this problem anywhere he goes, unless he goes to the Jets or something like that. <laughs> well, he might not have this problem anywhere he goes because you talk about the number one person. Is it Jarvis Landry? Is it Peoples-Jones? Is it Austin Hooper? Is it Ola Beckham? It's Nick Chubb. Yep. Right? The Browns are a run first team in Nick Chubb in this game. 14 carries, 137 yards, and two touchdowns. Nick Chubb is the number one option. And when it's not him, it's Kareem Hunt. Mm-hmm. And when it's not Kareem yep. Hunt, it's the Ernest Johnson. Yeah, it's one foot. Yeah, it's, it, it's one football. And a great point because I didn't, I didn't fit that piece in but it's only one football so you might be have to have you might have to be happy with six six you know six throws or six targets and just make the best of them where it's like six targets for a buck 85 and this is a good point to talk about where odell could go because he has not signed as a recording the teams he's talking about seattle kansas city and green bay because he wants to play with the top level quarterback of course but in all those situations he is not going to be the number one this is what I just yeah. This is what I just said. He's gonna have this problem if he but, if he thinks he's gonna show up as Odell Beckham from the Giants. That that's gone. But I think he went to Cleveland expecting to be the guy, and if he goes to Kansas City, he knows he's not the guy going <laughs> in. It might be like a better men- like he can get it through his mentals better. You know what I mean? Like of course mm-hmm. Tyreek and Kelsey are here and they've been winning. I'm a complimentary piece. Whereas when he came to Cleveland, he was like, I'm here to save the franchise. And they shipped him off there thinking that uh, they were basically like leaving him out to dry. <laughs> Which they kind of did over the two years. I mean, numbers aren't eye popping. Well, he right? missed most of the last year with the torn ACL. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, yeah, true. Although I like and the, the Browns did well last year, so I like the thought of White Mike throwing to OBJ. I really do. I think that's a hot that's a hot combo for next year, Cleve. <laughs> <laughs> Man, uh, the next game we have here. Speaking of quarterbacks with playing through injuries, Patriots twenty four, the Panthers six. <laughs> this game and the Bills Jangs game was actually the same game. This mm-hmm. one just had a couple touchdowns in it. Yep. Uh, Sam Donald though. Playing with a broken shoulder blade. Uh, Cleve, you're a resident non-doctor but personal trainer. Can you imagine playing an NFL quarterback with a broken shoulder blade? Yeah, for for those uh, who are not who are not familiar with the anatomy of the shoulder, you have about 14 muscles interwoven over the um, over like the the, uh, the the bone structure. So if there's anything wrong, like think of your shoulder being like a transmission where a thousand things can go wrong in there, and you just it's just that's it. So yeah, balls balls on this guy for playing with with uh, with a shoulder out of whack like that against NFL talent. 
crazy. Yeah, so I think part of the reason that he played through this, even though he was terrible, is that he he's afraid of losing his job and he did not want to come out of this game. The next game, we're gonna this is gonna come up again, I think even more glaringly. But darn, he's gotta sit now. I mean, you could not play a yeah. quarterback with a broken shoulder blade. By the way, Dave, the yeah. way that you described Cleve when you said our resident non-doctor who's also a personal <laughs> trainer, I thought you got Alex Guerrero to come on the show. <laughs> And I was like, "Ooh, celebrity, uh, celebrity appearance that I was uh, not prepared for. But <laughs> I actually had the same thought as you, Dave, that this was a game that was made for red zone. It was absolutely horrible. It's an ugly, <laughs> ugly win, but it's an ugly road win. And I'm sure all of us, every one of us had the Patriots as the seventh seed over both the Browns and the Chiefs halfway through the season. I'm almost positive we all had that. You I'm know? almost positive I had the Dolphins being better than the Patriots this year. That's so funny. So did I. Yeah, uh, a couple other notes on this game. Uh, CMC came back, did not play a full workload. No. Uh, got like half his normal number of carries, half his normal number of targets. And I do think that it's a bit unfair to judge Sam Darnold without CMC in these last few games. The entire offense is built around Christian McCaffrey. So when he's not there, the offense collapses. It's easy like, to point to the quarterback, but it could be the absence of McCaffrey that's really the issue. And the other thing here, Matt, is uh, your boy Ramondre Stevenson or Ramondre Sissonson, uh, 10 carries for 62 yards, two more catches for 44. Uh, that dude is a violent runner. He is a violent runner. <laughs> now, he fumbled like one of his first carries of the season, I think, uh, against the Dolphins. And Bill basically said, you're not getting the ball again for a long time. So sit and watch. And they've kind of gotten him into the offense a little bit. And I think between him and Damian Harris, the running game has looked like, I think, I thought that it was going to look uh, at the beginning of the season, trying to get Matt into the groove of being a starting quarterback and getting the offense to be productive without asking him to do everything and even though it was an ugly win there are a lot of positives to take from it and at two and four i kind of thought the team was really in trouble but they have rallied and they have one impressive win against the chargers and you know the carolina whatever obviously the jets you can't really say a whole lot about that that's not a dig cleave i think it's just the truth and you know this game it's a road game it's an ugly game and hey they did what they had to do to win the defense looked good i mean a pick six you gotta you gotta take what you you can get from those games but i think they they have a real test coming up against what we think is a super bowl caliber team and you know we'll find out really where they are but they're putting some things together and i'm at least happy about it from that perspective they look better than i thought they would i do not think they're going to hang on to that uh seventh seed no going going forward but you know we also not expect them to be here at this point in the season so you know more more power to them no but i wasn't here for last week but i think you're absolutely right dave is when you look at mac jones i think we know he's not gonna flat out suck as in be yep. just abysmally awful to where that pick was a total waste and you're resetting your year or your your franchise after just this year i think that it's fair to ask is he going to be good enough to win a super bowl let alone multiple super bowls but i think he's got a little bit of time to prove that at worst i feel like he might be a slightly better jimmy g right or something like that who knows like he's not going to be an awful awful quarterback i think that is obvious but we also haven't seen him open up the playbook all that much yet and have to really really win a football game throwing downfield they're, they're not asking him to do a whole lot of that so there's yeah. still a lot that i want to see out of him but i have to feel encouraged by what we have gotten at the 15th pick and not having to move up or trade anything to get him I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it and so is uh mr ice nice elder ice yeah so here so here's the thing mac jones it's definitely not daniel jones all right next game here we've got the broncos 30 at the cowboys 16 
At one point, this game was 30 to nothing. And to me, this game is a more shocking result than the Bills and the Jags. Cowboys are at home. The Broncos are better than the Jags, but they're total frauds. And the Jags and the Bills have both played terrible. Here, the Broncos played fine and the Cowboys played terrible. But I mentioned in our discussion about Sam Darnold that he did not want to come out of the game because he'd get passed. Zeke was in this game in the fourth quarter, down 30 points, and he was limping, and he did not want to come out because he knows he's going to get Wally Pipped by Tony Pollard. Every time Tony Pollard touches the ball, you can see the explosiveness and the speed of the juice that he has that Zeke doesn't have anymore. I actually agree with that. I was watching this game. Now, I will say this. I think, I don't know if I told you this, Cleve, but since this game was out of market, uh, we didn't obviously have it here. And so my in-laws had to go watch Red Zone, which my father-in-law likes and my brother-in-law does kind of like it, but I'm in a text string with them. And of course they were not happy with this game whatsoever. But at one point, my brother-in-law said, you know, I hate watching games like this on Red Zone because I can't get an idea of the flow. And I was like, Mike, it's 23 nothing. What the fuck else do you need to know? <laughs> the fr- uh, yeah, the, the flow the is flow slow. For the Cowboys <laughs> in that game was the turd flow that Andy Dufresne was moving through in Shawshank. Yeah. That's the flow for the Cowboys in that game. I was like, the game sucks. They're playing like crap. And he did say, and I I quoted you, Dave, because I said, look, Mike, I'm like 17 game season in the range of outcomes for every, even the best teams, there's going to be a clunker or two in there. And it, you're be, be lucky that it came against an AFC opponent that doesn't matter in the slightest. And it doesn't come maybe like in the playoffs. Right, exactly. To me, to me, there's not as much evidence that the Cowboys are a really good team like there is for the Bills. But this result is probably still kind of useless for like projecting how the cow- Cowboys will be. But could be just as important as the Bills' result in preventing them from getting the number one seed, which is probably going to Tampa, so it probably doesn't matter. But Tampa's dropped a couple games they shouldn't as well. So the Cowboys have an opportunity to get this number one seed and make everybody have to come to Dallas to get to the Super Bowl and losing. I mean, this game was 30 to 16. They lost this game by 30 points. The 16 don't count. That's what I thought. Who scored? The same player scored both touchdowns for the Cowboys. Who was it? Cowboys? It wasn't Lamb. It was not Lamb. Was it Amari Cooper? No. Was it Zeke? No. Was it Tony Pollard? Dalton Schultz? Cedric Wilson? Noah Brown? It was Malik Turner. Wow. Who, sure. um, they were on red zone this year, or not red zone. They were on uh, hard knocks this year, and we still don't know who Malik Turner is. <laughs> <laughs> he, he made the 52. <laughs> yeah, he, he did, and he got two touchdowns in this game as well. So that tells you about all you need to know about this game. Uh, Matt, did this game make you think anything more about the Broncos? No, it, it didn't really to me. I mean, I think they they have they are capable of being good if they had a better quarterback situation. But think, think about it. They gave up by trading Von Miller or seemingly gave up by trading Von Miller and then they have this great performance this week but it it doesn't tell me that they're like a good team or a great team I feel like every team is capable of a performance like this and even it's it's like a what 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 was the idiom I used or like a blind squirrel finds finds a nut or whatever it was yeah that's kind of what it felt like and the Cowboys had an absolute shit bat and that was a shit performance like it's almost as if they dropped the Cowboys off at this game and it was like in Space Jam when they lo- when the basketball <laughs> players lose all their, you know, abilities and they're like, what am I fucking supposed to do? I don't football. What's this? I don't understand. They look like they'd never played together. They just saw the playbook and McCarthy on the sideline looked like he didn't know what the fuck he was supposed to do. Like, am I supposed they to adjust? To- <laughs> what am I doing? They need to wheel out the fucking barn or duplicate the sh- a shed version of the barn and wheel it out to the sideline and then have him poke his head in there every couple of minutes to see if he can get a fucking play going. How long do you keep your starters in when you're getting blown out? 
because like you said, you, you know, 30, 30 to nothing, guys limping. We're only, uh, you know, not even, well, just about halfway through the season in a, in, a, in a situation where we can't win this game. Well, you could make the argument that with Zeke in the game, the starters were out. <laughs> True. Um, Speaking of taking uh, liberties. Anyway, I like, I like the idea of like the Monstars taking the powers from the Cowboys and on this <laughs> alien planet. There's some fat cartoon alien getting paid $90 million he doesn't deserve. Sorry, that's, that's, that's a Zeke joke. No, oh. that's a Zeke joke. But wouldn't they be in Cabo? They wouldn't be on another planet. Wouldn't they be in Cabo? <laughs> oh, man. I actually don't dislike Zeke at all. I just am predisposed to dislike him because he went to Ohio State. Yeah. And he ran for approximately 5 billion yards against Michigan. The next game here, I have a bit of a rant. The Vikings 31 at the Ravens 34. Now, last week, Cleve, I pointed out that Justin Jefferson had two catches for 17 yards in a game that they lost by four points. This this game lose by three points. In the first quarter, Justin Jefferson had two catches for 58 yards and a touchdown. How many catches, yards, and touchdowns did he end with? He had he had one more catch probably, and what, 17 yards on that one? Three catches for 67 yards and the same one touchdown. And the, Man. Game, the game. And so here's the thing. I, I actually wrote this down, so I want to make sure I get this right. I am done with Mike Zimmer. Like, I am completely <laughs> done with this guy. He is officially in the Adam Gaze, Matt Nagy, Matt Patricia, Rich Kotite group of absolute ass coaches. This dude sucks. How in the world do you watch what happened last week? You lost this close game. You didn't get Jefferson involved. Then you jump out to a lead in this game by throwing a 50-yard touchdown. He was wide open because he's so good. And you do not go back to him. I just, I don't understand why he doesn't throw it to Justin Jefferson. I don't understand why his face is so flat. I don't understand why he's still the coach of the Vikings. I don't understand anything about this situation. This dude sucks so bad. And we always talk about how Mike, or uh, how uh, Mike McCarthy's going to cost games or Matt LaFleur might cost games. Mike Zimmer has cost the Vikings seasons at this point. Like, if it wasn't for miracles in New Orleans getting bailed out by Stephon Diggs and Kyle Rudolph making crazy touchdowns to beat the Saints in the playoffs, there would be nothing for the Vikings to show for this entire time they've had all this talent. I actually hate Mike Zimmer now. And yes, I may have had a bet on Justin Jefferson to go over 100 yards to score a there touchdown. We go. That there I thought we was go. a lock. <laughs> After, after the first quarter, but it was, I bet it because it made sense and it made sense if they wanted to win the game. Mike Zimmer doesn't want to win the game because he's an idiot who doesn't know what he's doing. You should add a direct line to the stadium, to the sideline. He's like, Mike, phone's for you. You pick up and you just go ape shit on him on the sideline. Throw okay. the ball to Justin Jefferson. That's it. That's all you have to do. That's it. It's the only change you need to make to your game plan to start winning these games. You've now lost seven games by less than six points against teams with winning records, and you will not throw the football to your best player. Also, it's not like Adam Thielen was tearing it up. He only had two catches. Yeah, so if did. you're not throwing to Jefferson, you're not throwing to Thielen, who are you even throwing to on the Vikings? KJ wow. Osborne, D.D. Westbrook. Irv Smith, like, is he still the tight end? He's out for the season. It's Tyler Conklin. Sorry. I, I just like, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to cut you off. I am just really fired up. And it's like the level, it's, it's an insult. It's like Jason Garrett. It's an insult. Throw the ball to Justin Jefferson. Okay, Matt, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, I had something for you. We've uh, put a little bit more into the production of the show, Dave. So when I think about how you're feeling about Justin Jefferson, I got this for you. <laughs> so. Sad trombone for you, buddy. That's the uh, the built-in sound effects that I have. We're really making noise here at Matty Ice Media. Man, Man. That, hit, that, that hit about as hard as my Zeke joke. <laughs> Listen, 
I, I've never really admitted this publicly, but if you've listened, like if you listen between the lines, you can pick up on this. But the Ravens are my AFC team. Mm-hmm. Um, since you know, I live in the in the area. I'm not going to live in Baltimore, I live in Virginia, but I'm certainly not going to for the Washington Football Team or Dan Snyder. So like, they're localish and they're the AFC, and Lamar is awesome. So like, I want the Ravens to do well. I want the Ravens to win, and so I was happy to see the Ravens win. And I was still mostly angry that they weren't throwing the ball to Justin Jefferson. That's how angry I am about this. I do want to take a second, though, to talk about Lamar Jackson being awesome. Uh, Cleve, here's a Lamar stat line for this game. 27 of 41, 266 yards, three touchdowns, two picks, also 21 rushes for 120 yards. Yeah, I think he surpassed Vic for, I think think this game he surpassed Vic. I think he's the number one guy now. And he's in his what fourth year? Yeah, yeah. yeah ceiling is, ceiling is high. Yeah, so, yeah. He's gonna. Yeah, I, we we probably won't see another guy do it. Probably another five years from now. He'll probably end up being like top ten all time NFL rushing yards. Yeah, somewhere's about that. Yeah. He's gonna, who's who's like who's like number nine right now? Like Tony Dorsett. Could you imagine yeah. getting passed by Lamar Jackson being thrown off the list? <laughs> yeah. And the other note I have in this game is that Hollywood Brown is quickly approaching Pro Bowl status. He is amazingly consistent, and he should have had he should have had the game I'm about to describe against the Lions, where he dropped three touchdowns. He's going to have like a three two hundred fifty yard three or four touchdown game sometime at, this season at some point. Yeah, it's just like it's going to happen. Like it's just going to open. Like it's just, everything's going to work out perfectly. Like I said, it should have been the Lions. He's just dropped them all, but it's going to happen again. They are really firing all cylinders, and right now they're leading the. AFC North. Mm-hmm. Mm. But not the AFC still. We'll get to that. Yeah, no, we are going to get to that. Now, I don't know too much about the Delvin Cook situation. Do we want to touch this at all, or do we want to wait to get more information, talk about it next week, or what do we want to do? It's probably better that we wait because I think yeah. thinking about the Aaron Rodgers situation, like when I first thought about it, like everything that we've had up until then, I think this week would have been so much better to talk about it in totality because so much more even happened. Um, and with Dalvin Cook, there's so much that we don't know, and it seems like there's accusations going both directions and so i'm gonna err on the side of journalistic integrity which i realize is very uh loose these days and maybe we should wait until we have a little bit more information because i think we're pretty reasonable guys who can look at a situation like this and you know make reasonable takes on it and we're not going to throw somebody under the bus for something that we don't know enough about but uh if you guys know Mm -hmm. something then then feel free but i don't feel like i have enough information to really say one way or the other you know how i feel about it Uh, yeah i i would uh i would second that um and you know to double down on the aaron Rodgers thing i know we dave and i discussed it last week um the saints got killed for their COVID protocol violations and they got a slap on the wrist in Green Bay. So I'll just leave that there. I do want to make a nuanced rebuttal to what Matt said about the Aaron Rodgers situation. The Aaron Rodgers situation is two separate stories. First, yes. it's him missing the game because he tested positive for COVID mm-hmm. and lied about it. That was the first story. The second story is all the nonsense he said on the Pat McAfee Correct. show, which yes. happened after we recorded. Correct. So, yeah. so we discussed the first Aaron Rodgers story mm-hmm. and the more pertinent one for like what's happening on the field. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it feels like more happened in the same story, but it was really a separate story where he just went just full, full caucasity. Yeah. And mm-hmm. conspiracy <laughs> theorists. Like, I mean, white Kyrie all over the place. So, yeah, it's crazy. 
Okay, so we'll we'll table the Delvin Cook discussion until we get some more some more news. But needless to say, let's just hope that like everything's okay. The next yeah. game we have the Texans nine at the Dolphins seventeen. I literally do not care about this game, what happened in this game, the yeah. result of this game, or anything. We may have Texans and Dolphins fans that listen, so I do want to acknowledge that Tua missed the game, so Brissett came in. The Dolphins were terrible. They just have to play in the Texans, so they won. Tyrod came back out of a sense of duty. You could tell he wasn't feeling it, didn't want to be there. Might as well have been on the Raiders this week. And this game was just awful. Do either of you have anything to say about this game? Nah, it was, I mean, I don't know. Tua, not durable. What a surprise. Um, if I'm Tyrod, I'm like, I guess I got to get my game check. So I got I to gotta be trotted out there. But what's the point, man? Yeah, plus, the he, point? plus he knows he's going to lose his job again anyway. Um, but the only thing I will say about this game is that Tyrod threw one of the weirdest interceptions I've ever seen where he's going out of bounds and he tries to just flick the ball yeah. out of bounds inexplicably. And the defender keeps both feet in bounds completely untouched and ends up intercepting it. And the funniest part was after that happened, I just said out loud, not angrily, I was just like, oh, Tyrod. And my son immediately follows up with boo. And I was like, man, that's a tough crowd. <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. The I, kids, the kid's a critic. I am not kidding when he, he, he booed. And I was like, man, buddy, I was like, I mean, Tyrod's a good dude. Like that's, I was just, I felt bad for him because you're right. He looked like he didn't want to be there. And nah, dude, it's game knows. check. You got to get a game check, bro. Yeah, I gotta guess get paid. So. Yeah, so it was a oh god that that was a, there was three games this week that were made for red zone. That's that's higher than usual. That game was truly awful. The next game though was very good. Uh, Chargers twenty seven at the Eagles twenty four. And however I feel about Mike Zimmer, flip it for Brandon Staley. I love this dude. Like he's so sharp. His offenses make sense. He's getting the most out of his quarterback, getting the most out of the players around him, winning some of these uh, tough games. And he's he's so sharp in these game situations. So I'm going to walk through this. Um, I wrote it down here so I could try to make it as clear as possible for what happened in case somebody didn't see it. But late in the fourth quarter, 2.45 to play. The game is tied at 24. The Chargers have two timeouts. So they have two timeouts in the two-minute warning. They have the ball, the Eagles 39, fourth and one. The Chargers try to draw the Eagles offside to get a cheap first down. It doesn't work. So they take a timeout, come back from the timeout, and they go for it anyways. Fourth and one from the Eagles 39, one timeout, the two-minute warning, tied ball game. 100% the correct decision and maybe five coaches in the league make that decision right now. Just amazing to watch. And of course, they get the first down. They convert a couple more. The Eagles never touch the ball again. They kick the field goal. They go back to LA with the win. This dude is super, super sharp. I mean, this is the the process versus result thing, except the result actually worked out when the the decision was correct. But remember a couple weeks ago in the Titans-Bills game when I railed about process? And just because the Bills didn't make the first down doesn't mean the decision was wrong. This is the same decision, basically. Like, go to win the game. Like, you're out there to win the game. Take a chance to win the game. And the the Chargers did that. And I think it was telling to me that coming off of a couple of games that they didn't look that great, we said, you know, Dave, you said last week that the Chiefs' victory isn't as impressive as we thought it was in the moment. Uh, They lose Mm -hmm. to the Patriots at home, which, you know, feels like a game they shouldn't have lost. And they come back and they win. And I think that you want to see that, especially from a first-year coach, second year with Herbert. Uh, we've been heaping a lot of praise on them as being potential Super Bowl contenders, and so you want to see that from them. And I think you're right. Uh, they seem very well coached, and they're not going to 
like you feel like their coach isn't going to lose them football games i mean at some point he's going to make a decision that i'm sure we're going to critique because everybody makes mistakes even belichick makes mistakes but so far he seems like he's trending in the right direction for a team that is also trending that way especially with herbert looking as good as he has mostly throughout the season mm-hmm. leave justin herbert in this game 32 of 38, 356 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, added another touchdown on the ground. Yeah, I mean, you know, since the uh, the Tyrod thing and he got in, man, it's like this guy didn't look back. And he's clearly a great quarterback. Uh, I, I, I like watching him play. I like watching him play. Yeah. Keenan Allen also decided to show up to a game this year, finally. 12 catches for 104 yards. Good to see him make an appearance. Um, Devontae Smith, the, the Heisman Trophy winner, rookie for the Eagles, had his breakout game. Five catches for 116 yards and a touchdown. But the one note I wanted to make on this game is that the Eagles played the exact same level of quality of football last week and this week. The difference is that last week they played Detroit and this week they played the Chargers. So you play this way against Detroit, you win by 38. You play this way against the Chargers, you lose by three. They played well in both instances, but you can see the delta between them and the really good teams. You can also see how far behind the Lions are from from everybody else. I was like, wait a minute. You're saying the Lions are bad, Dave? I thought the Lions were... Don't they have seven wins by now? What happened? Mm, Guys, wow. What will happen first? The Lions will have seven wins in a season or Justin Jefferson will have seven catches in a game. Justin Jefferson is going to have like 15 targets this weekend. You know it's going to happen, right? Get better. Get better. (laughs) I mean, I might have to be booking flights to Minnesota so I can boo and shake my fist in person. I'm so mad. Um, We'll also pay to see that too. But but I want to note for the Eagles that they played consistently in back-to-back weeks, right? They weren't spiking up and down all over the place like they were earlier. They played the same level against the Lions and the Chargers. They just lost to the Chargers because the Chargers are a lot better than the Lions. Anything else on this game, you guys? Sirianni's been talking about how they've been cultivating a plant and watering a plant. And Dave, I guess what you're saying is it seems like plant is blossoming according to this uh, particular metaphor that he keeps using because he's such a sharp guy. I think it's more like the plant is a cactus. It's as long as it doesn't die, it's never really going to grow or change or get better. It's just going to kind of be there and it's going to prick you every so often. He doesn't have to water it for like five years and it'll still be alive. (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, Okay, the next game here, we have the Packers 7 at the Chiefs 13. Uh, My first note of this game was that Aaron Rodgers showed his ass to the entire damn world. This man ain't got no sense. Like, it's been... It's been like a week since it happened for the listeners by the time they hear this. I don't want to get into it too much, but you cannot lie about your vaccination status. And if you do, you should not be fined like 50 grand and not like he should be suspended, right? Yeah, you think? You think? I mean, he's one of the faces of the league, so... I I would say yes. And honestly, I will tell you this. So I'm tired of Aaron Rodgers and I'm not going to go on a rant. I'm just saying like the human being Aaron Rodgers, I'm I'm done with. Like I don't really have enough brain space to continue to think about this dude. And I realized something over the last week is that his moronic statements that he made are, are not only dangerous because he comes out and tries to distance himself from somebody like Kyrie, which I thought was unfair. I mean, he kind of like tried to throw Kyrie under the bus while also saying like, oh, I'm not like that. And also basically touting every single anti-vax like conspiracy that's out there and i don't know it just felt very very dangerous and i'm just done with him as a human being he seems very 
selfish. I think, Cleve, you brought that up. Very, very, very selfish. And, you know, on and off the football field, he's costing people something. And he doesn't seem to think that. And he also seems to think that he is not above reproach, like that people can't ask him questions. And he's like, well, the media is yeah. like a witch hunt. It's like, dude, you intentionally omitted information and lied about something that a lot of people take very seriously. And we found out that you got caught in a lie. And you don't think that we're allowed to ask you a question? It's kind of like Gruden when he's like, I'm not answering any more questions on this. And it's like, fuck you. We can ask you questions yeah. on this. Yeah. If you don't want to do that, then don't be the quarterback. Don't play the game. Don't be a celebrity. Or like, maybe what, when what you're hell? maybe when you're asked about it, just say, I'm not vaccinated. Go fuck yourself. Like, I'd rather have him yeah. say that. There you go. Than anything. Like, the people that really got to me this offseason were like, oh, that's a HIPAA violation. And I'm like, you don't even know what that means. Like, just come out and say you're not vaccinated. Like, just say yeah. it. And move on, right? Own up to what you are. Like, if Rodgers had said that, fine. You know that he's going to catch it at some point. He's going to cost his team a game. So be it. But it's the deceit and the lie that I think pisses a lot of people off. And at this point, I'm separating the art from the artist, right? Mm -hmm. He's a great quarterback, but he's not a great human being. And I don't need to think about him again as a human being. I'll just watch him on the field, yeah. and I don't really give a shit what he does in his personal life because I'll never meet Aaron Rodgers, and he doesn't raise yeah. my kids. Yeah. Would, he be, would he be better as a quarterback if he wasn't such a trash person? Maybe. But, like, we're talking how much better. I mean, he, he's already great. So, like, how That's much true. How much better would he be? Like, So, like, okay, so maybe he'd have, like, three Super Bowls instead of one, but not all of that is on him. I mean, he had Mike McCarthy right. for his coach forever. So, like, can you – I mean, if, if that's the case – and he's a better quarterback. I mean, just by being a good person, then man, he's been given a great hand in life. He'd be a shit person and be that good at something. Like the three of us combined won't be that good at something or anything in our lives if we tried. Like for real. The hypocrisy of the league is on is on trial here because I think so. You know, they treat different teams to because I think you and I talked off offline, Matt, this morning. If this was Brady, as I as I text you guys, they would have wanted a ring and for Gel and for Giselle to do something for someone. Like it's just it's just that that crazy. Because if you guys remember, the Saints got docked a six round pick and and they lost their appeal and had to cough up 700 grand. 350 to Green Bay, dropping the bucket. 14K to Aaron Rodgers, dropping the bucket. If if I'm his teammate who got pinched with me, I'm like, Aaron, here's my tab. Can you cover that? Jeez. This is yeah. unbelievable. But for our lay listeners that, that don't understand the ramifications of this game being lost, there's four places, and, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong. You don't want to have a playoff game because it's a homestand for someone. It's Foxborough, Green Bay, Arrowhead, Seattle, and then Mike, and then and um, Matt reminded me New Orleans. Those are the those are the home field advantage games that you you really kind of want to you know avoid having to travel to. And he could have cost them essentially basically their their homestand in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean I think that's very true because he also might not be back this week when yeah. they play the Seahawks. Yes, yeah. yeah. he's got to clear his second test on Saturday. So if he tests positive on Friday, he's done. He's not playing against yeah. the Seahawks yeah. either with Russ coming back. So yeah. there's going to be two games he's this... going to cost them with this. Now to get to the game itself, um, Jordan Love probably sucks. Like, uh, uh, I mean, Dad, make your case and I'll be. Yeah, we don't have a huge sample on him. There we go. He looked confused and uncomfortable against the defense we know to be bad. If you if you get told on a Thursday 
that you're going to be put, put, put into action, right? You you try to prepare as best as you can. Uh, we know that every that that off that that offense is predicated around Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers is not only a a follower of the of the game plan. He he's probably one of the architects of what they're going to run. So Jordan Love had no chance, and he had a bad game, and it looked bad. But I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna lay it all at his feet because Aaron Rodgers really put them in this situation. The kid wasn't ready. I agree with you, and that's why I said probably. But if yeah. I had to bet, it's it's not good. I mean, he's been in the league now a year and a half, right? I mean, True. they traded up for him in 2020. He's been, but, but he it's not his fault that they did that because everyone, I think, the three of us scratched our head when he got drafted. It was like, wait a minute, why why would they? We know what they're what they're what what where they needed help, and you're like a quarterback because we must have said, hey, Aaron Rodgers must be leaving, or there's some rift going on, or whatever it is. But you know, this kid gets drafted that in that spot, and he's going there to sit because Aaron Rodgers ain't gonna not not play unless this happens. So it's not fair. Now, if this was if he goes out again and has another stinker, because now he's got a you know some time to prepare. If there's another stinker, then I'm like okay. All right, guy, you know, you got to get your shit together. So they found it on Tuesday, Tuesday morning. Oh, I'm sorry, Tuesday, yeah. So they had most of the week. Also, he's been there for like a year and a half. So they have to have something ready to go for him. He's been there forever. And he's but, been sitting in Aaron Rodgers for a year and a half. Like it's not But like he's he, not running, but he's not running. If you guys play, like he's not running with the first team. He ran with the first team that like that what that Wednesday? He ran with the right. first I'm, team that Wednesday. I'm not saying he should have come in and looked like Aaron Rodgers. I'm just saying he mm-hmm. shouldn't have sucked against the defense that is provably awful. And he was bad against a bad defense. Not not he wasn't good he was actively terrible and he's the reason why they lost the game i mean to him he wasn't facing utah state or some shit he was facing an nfl defense whether they're good or bad look what look what josh allen did against the fucking jacks man i uh, i don't know (laughs) i'm watching i'm watching this dude play football and i'm like i i don't know if this is it now part of it is because where he was drafted right they traded up and they took him the next three wide receivers take over michael pittman jr t higgins to chase claypool there we go there we go could have been helpful there we go i do hope we actually get to see how we get jordan love again this week against the seahawks the seahawks are also just awful and it's in green bay and with the full week and maybe we'll get a better a better sense but like when I watched Justin Fields first game against the Browns I was like okay this is a guy who has not been prepared and his coach is terrible and they're getting destroyed but when I watched Jordan Love in this game I was like this guy's not good at playing quarterback and I don't think that eight games into Jordan Love starting we're going to see the sort of progress we're seeing from Fields right now that's that's the sense I got from watching this I lay it on on the floor and all the assistant coaches because again they they that offense is really built around Aaron Rodgers. Like they, and Aaron Rodgers, I mean, as we know, he's an adorable guy. He's been in, you know, how many games has he missed? You know what I'm saying? So it's unfair to, to me to judge this kid's entire existence in the NFL on his on his on one big moment. Which but is again, not what I'm doing, by the way. Yeah. Every everyone has a moment. I mean, you know, Matt pointed out when when Brady got in, not great, but we didn't know Brady's gonna turn into what he is or what he's become. You never but he also know. wasn't terrible. Yeah, everyone's but everyone's entitled. Josh Allen had a fucking shit game. <laughs> you know? Um Dave, do you do you see the hypocrisy here? Tua has never yes, been allowed I wasn't to have a bad out, game. But, yeah, I was but, uh, listeners pick nah, up on that, dude, but yeah, Tua, I do. Tua, Tua, he can't even stay on the field. He can't even stay on the 
feel. Neither can Jordan Love. Well, from a play standpoint, yeah, but Tua... Because he sucks. <laughs> so does Tua. Aaron so Rodgers Tua. wanted out this year. The Packers couldn't move him because Jordan Love is terrible and they know it. See, there's more indications about Jordan Love than just this game. And I was hoping mm-hmm. in this game he'd come out and look good. I mean, I'm rooting for the kid. Actually, I'm not because he's a Packer. Like, I hope he, like, does okay to go somewhere else and wins. <laughs> but I don't want him to be terrible. I think... It's too early to say we need more data. We need more data points for sure. There's been absolutely zero to indicate a successful future for him besides the fact that he's 6'5", 230. Okay, I can can get on board with that. I can totally get on board with that. To me, the most meaningful data point was the fact that Jordan Love's parents were sitting in space to watch this game. Like, that was the best (laughs) seats that the Packers could get him. Yeah, like that. That was actually, I mean, Matt, what you posted was brilliant. I was like, Sky came from the Goodyear blimp, basically, like the view from Jordan Love's parents' seats. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to uh, – we're going to move on from this game here quickly, but uh, Kansas City won this game, but they are still broken. And Aaron Rodgers would put 35 on them. So mm-hmm. when we're talking about – when we're judging the Chiefs, this is like a 20-point loss, right? They lost by 20, but they got Jordan Love, so they won by six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the next game here, we have the Cardinals 31 at the 49ers 17. Uh, my first note here is play Trey Lance, dumbass. Uh, yeah. Car- yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Cardinals, the Cardinals have no Kyler, no new Hopkins. Chase Edmonds gets hurt on his first carry. No AJ green. And they still win the game by 14 points. Um, and the thing is, too, is that this was never going to be in doubt because the 49ers cannot score more than thir- more than 21 points with Jimmy G at the helm. And, like, Jimmy G in this game, 28 of 40 for 326 yards, two touchdowns and a pick, which is not bad. It's not bad. And they still only scored 17 points because he just – he's – Jimmy G is empty calories. He is the bread that they bring you before the meal. He, and you're going to forget about him as soon as you just put the entree on the table. So do it. <laughs> like, I don't understand. They are just choosing mediocrity. I don't understand it. Like, they they could hey. never win this game with, with Jimmy G at quarterback. They but also you- probably lose to Trey Lance, but they at least would have a chance. You just laid out the entire the entire cast of characters that did not play, and Colt McCoy, who was a thousand years old, comes in, dude, and looks like it's Friday Night Fucking Lights. You know what I'm saying? It, come on, bro. That, I would have, I would have, I'm the owner before. I would have fired someone. I'm like, just give me somebody. I need to fire someone to feel better about this. James Conner in this game, 173 Oof. total yards and three touchdowns. And these, these, I'm going to say two things that seem contradictory. James Conner is leading the league in rushing touchdowns. James Conner is also is also a dust ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but it says it says Najee Harris is like, hey, that was the guy you replaced. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, you're letting James Conner score three touchdowns because the defense is like, well, why are we even trying? The, the team's not trying. We're still playing Jimmy G. And in a couple games, we're going to get to why you should just play the rookie quarterbacks, and it's so obvious. And somehow Matt Nagy is figuring it out. And Kyle Shanahan is not. He's trying to save a job. Well, not even save his job. He's trying to he's trying to exit with with hey, I can get a job somewhere else as as, as yeah. a coordinator. Well, Shanahan Shanahan is ra- like my opinion of him is rapidly changing the more Jimmy G plays because it's fear based to keep playing Jimmy G because you're trying to eke out these close wins and not playing Trey Lance and giving yourself a chance at legendary upside like. Jimmy G is never winning a Super Bowl this year. There's no way. Trey Lance probably isn't either, but he will 0.7% of the time, which is yeah. 0.7 more than Jimmy G. Yeah. All right, guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get off here. 
Uh, go Jets, go Lions. Thanks for taking out some time for us, Cleve. Uh, we know you got a lot going on with school and the new job and all that stuff. So Dave and I can take go it from make, here. Got to go make a game plan for the Vikings. That's Throw correct. the ball to Justin Jefferson. That's correct. So Cleve, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see you on the other side, man. We'll we'll talk to you next week and uh, you know stay safe out there. All right. All right. Peace. All right. So the uh, next game here, we have the Sunday night game. Yet another shocking result, <laughs> Matt. We have the Titans twenty-eight at the Rams sixteen. Uh, and the first question is, are the Titans better without Derrick Henry? So <laughs> I have spent the last few days talking, like, like thinking this through in my mind, right? Because I have spent a majority of the last two seasons telling the listeners that the AFC South sucks and that the Titans mm-hmm. are not my brand of football. And I think both of those things are still relatively true, right? But what I'm struggling with on an existential level is whether I have to come to grips with the fact that the Titans might actually be a good and well-coached football team because they're racking up these wins against playoff teams, like potential playoff teams, and they do it on the road against the Rams without Derrick Henry, and it really wasn't even that close. Like, I don't know if you saw the play in the get. Well, Matt Stafford had two pretty bad interceptions. One of them was a pick six. The other one was basically the same play as Carson Wentz from the Titans game. And I just do not understand how the Titans are making these, like making quarterbacks like Matt Stafford look like this, especially when we said their defense was bottom 10. And it's like, are they, are they playing with house money here? And are they playing well over their talent level? And it's going to even out in the end. Or has Mike Vrabel figured out how to coach this team to have a lot of confidence no matter what players are out there? And I don't understand what's going on because I understand the Rams are going to play a bad game, but the Titans have racked up again wins against possibly teams that are all going to make the playoffs. Yep. But they also lost to the Jets. Well, yeah, that's the other thing too. It's like when I I made fun of them for losing to the Jets and what have they done since then is they've taken playoff teams and beaten them all. So, I mean, they have a stranglehold on the division they're going to make the playoffs but i still don't believe that when you extend what they're doing out through a longer sample size which is the rest of the season without derrick henry that they can sustain this kind of performance i i just don't believe it because derrick henry is far too valuable and important to that offense and he brings a skill set that like nobody else in the league really brings the only closest person that may be that valuable is like nick chubb right from a running yeah. perspective and so they're going to have to rely on Tannehill to win them football games. They're going to have to rely on their defense to play this way. And Julio Jones and AJ Brown to stay in the field, because if either of those guys goes down, they, they're going to run out of options pretty soon. I, I'm, I'm having a crisis over this because I, I don't want to believe that the Titans might actually be good, but they're starting to convince me that I have to come around a little bit. So let me, uh, let me come in and uh, help you out here a little bit. You do not need to convince yourself of anything with the Titans besides the fact that they're going to make the playoffs and be a factor in the playoffs. However, when they lose, they're going to lose by 45. They're going to get absolutely hand-blasted by somebody, not necessarily in the playoffs, but at some point coming up. They have been extremely lucky, playing extremely well, and they've caught a couple bad performances from opponents, including in this game by the Rams. There is going to be a, a game coming up where the opponent is going to put 50 on them and they're going to put up like 14 and we're going to be like, what? they were the number one seed in the AFC. What happened? And it's clear as day to see coming. The Titans are fraudulent. They are 100% 
fraudulent. They are going to make the playoffs as a division winner because their division is trash. They might even win in the first round of the playoffs. They will not make it to the AFC title game. They are not capable. They're not talented enough. They're not coached well enough. They are not good enough to do it. I'm calling it right here and now. They will not make it. See, I think you're saying what I'm saying, which is essentially like, and that's why I said like as a, from a sample size perspective, because they've had one game without Derrick Henry and they caught the Rams on what has been a bad night. Now, the narrative on the other side of that has been, are the Rams and Matt Stafford not good against good teams? And I don't think that's necessarily fair because it's not as if they've looked this bad against other like other good better teams i mean okay you lose to the cardinals i mean the cardinals are obviously really good they just beat the 49ers without kyler murray so we'll call them excellent they're one of the best teams in the league and then the titans come in and that's and the but i mean they beat the bucks though right like so um they've looked good against other good teams so i think that's an unfair narrative but i'm i'm kind of i'm in with you on this i'm just not willing to say it that strongly just because it's like they're playing with my picture in the locker room as if they've been listening to this show for a while. It's like in Major League when they have the team owner and they keep winning so that they can peel off parts of her dress. It's almost like they have something like that where it's like, all right, this guy thinks we're fraud. This guy thinks we suck and we're frauds. We're playing for this motherfucker and they're just out to get me. Now, if that results in me getting invited to a playoff game to flip the coin, I will accept that invitation graciously and then flip off the fans with a double bird. I would tell them that I'm not coming to flip your coin because I don't hang out with losers, which is the Titans are. We'll see. The Titans aren't bad. Like, I don't want to make it sound like I think the Titans are bad. I didn't think the Bucks were bad last year either. So I don't want to make it sound like I think that the Titans are bad. But the Titans, after nine games, are the number one seed in the AFC. And that is a joke. There is no way they are the, the best team in the AFC. Zero shot. Not true. Fake news. Not real. And so that's the point I'm trying to make here is that they're seven and two. They're probably going to finish 11 and six and be pedestrian the rest of the way. Get Derrick Henry back for the first time in the playoffs, beat trash wild card team, the Bengals or whatever, and then go to Buffalo and get smoked. See, like the, that's, that's what I'm saying is going to happen here. The Bengals were the team that I was just going to bring up because two weeks ago, they were the number one seed in the AFC. And they two, were two games. They, they look pretty fraudulent, right? Be, or not fraudulent, but they've come back down to earth with two pretty bad performances in a row. So two weeks from now, when there's, when the Titans are seven and four, I might be feeling a lot better about this, but I, I didn't watch the full game on Sunday and I woke up to the score and I, I looked at my wife and I was like, what the fuck happened last night? And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, the Titans beat the Rams convincingly. And then I thought, okay, Tannehill must have had a great game he threw for like 140 fucking yards and I'm like what and then when I saw finally over the course of the morning Matt Stafford played the role of Carson Wentz this week it made a lot more sense like that intercept I swear if you put those two plays together in the end zone spinning they're the same, away, play. They're the same play and this is two weeks in a row and I'm like I understand you don't want to take a safety but the the, the end result of almost both of those was six points for the other team and like, just take the fucking safety. Like, I don't even know what they're trying to do in that. And Matt Stafford should know better. Like, that's not, you know, he should know better. And yeah. Carson Wentz obviously should know better. But it's like Carson Wentz also put it in his left hand to try and throw it. Matt Stafford was getting like twirled around and just like chucked the ball, hoping that it would go incomplete. And he should know better than that. That's all. And I just feel yeah. like he's he's in, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And Carson Wentz is not. So I'm giving Matt Stafford a little bit of a pass, but. 
I don't know. I'm just I'm hurting here. The Titans are. Well, I do also want to talk. I want to talk a little bit about the shambling corpse of Adrian Peterson. Yes. 10 carries for 21 yards, but he happened to fall in the end zone from six inches away. But that's not the Adrian Peterson thing I wanted to talk about. The broadcast was going on and on about how great of a person Adrian Peterson is. Did he beat his kid? Yeah. So, like, Chris Collinsworth said, he's just such a great guy. You love to be around him. So, I just want to read this. This is from the Washington Post in 2018. Quote, Peterson was indicted in September of 2014 on felony child abuse charges related to his use of a wooden switch on his then three-year-old son. And court records show that the boy suffered cuts and bruising to his back, thighs, and on one of his testicles. Yeah, that's not great. I mean... Yeah. So, I'm not saying that, like, like Adrian Peterson would burn in hell forever, but can we not be, like, tongue-washing this dude on national TV, talking about how he's such a great guy? Like... You know, we don't need to, like, you don't need to, to kill him every single time, but you don't need to go out of your way to praise this guy for being amazing. I mean, I don't know. Is there anybody I'm on the podcast with that could ever think about beating their three-year-old son so bad? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, like, it's insane. It's psychopath shit. Well, and we didn't get to this earlier because I wasn't sure how much time Cleve was going to have. But when we were talking about the NFL and optics and what I have found is that the NFL doesn't have a the, it's a very incongruent message that they have when it comes to the optics, because Adrian Peterson, to your point, should not be praised like we should know people should be reminded of that kind of thing. And I think it was fair when Chauncey Billups got hired as the Blazers coach and they were asked questions about his questionable behavior 20 years prior. And yes, it was 20 years ago. Still happened though, right? Like you should yeah. come to question on these things. It's like, you know, Tyree Kill, great talent, shit human being. Like, yes. I think you I think you and Cleve even talked about that last week because I think he called Tyree Kill Kareem Hunt and you're like, oh, two shitty guys who beat their wives or whatever. And I'm kind of with you on that stuff. Um, it does bother me more than it used to because it's like, no, Adrian Peterson is not a good person i mean if he's capable of doing that and i know at the time there was a lot of talk that were like well you know it's a it's a matter of philosophical difference and i'm like look i didn't have kids at that time but i can tell you that taking a piece uh, taking any type of weapon to a three-year-old is wrong it doesn't matter what your philosophies are whatever happened to you it's just wrong and like today i seriously wanted to just chuck my kid out the window at times because he is pushing <laughs> all of the boundaries i didn't do that though because that's not what you do and i'm i'm kind of getting really tired of people like and adrian peterson is just a name i mean he's he's i'll say this he's wholly meaningless really anymore like he's he's done like he's only there because derrick henry's hurt so he doesn't matter to me but like the aaron Rodgers thing aaron Rodgers does matter because he is somebody that is recognizable and it just the nfl gave him a pass because i don't know why like and they're so about optics but yet here's a white quarterback and we're just gonna slap him on the wrist but if it was lamar jackson he would have been suspended Tyrod, yeah, ex well, right. Or Jordan Love on the same team. Ex thank you. So I I'm I'm glad you brought this up at the at the back end because well, it's you know Chris Collinsworth is is you know whatever like he's out there trying to make something interesting that's not interesting. Like, what do you say about Adrian Peterson? I mean, he's so old now that how many of the viewers actually know who he is anymore? And the Titans aren't remotely interesting without Derrick Henry because I don't know if you saw Dave the 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 media coming up into that game like the promos was um, the 
immovable force against the, you know, whatever it was, the unstoppable force and the immovable object. And one of them was Derek Henry. And it's like, well, Henry's not going to play in this game. So um, there goes your marketing for that game. Like, I don't care about the Titans at all. And so they had to make him interesting. But I just wish that we would be a little bit more aware, I guess, of yeah. that there's a lot of shitty human beings in the NFL and in major sports in general. And what yeah. we are doing on this show is separating sometimes the art from the artist. But I think it's good to get real because we have to deal with these kind of people in our daily lives. The other thing, too, is that so there's been studies done on this that when you take men between the ages of 18 and 35, the general population, all crimes, except financial crimes, occur at a higher rate in the general population than they do amongst professional football players and Division One college football players, right? The general population of men in those ages, which sadly does not include us anymore, um, no. commits crimes at a higher rate, which means the NFL statistically is full of all sorts of people not doing things. And you could probably find somebody doing something great. Mm-hmm. So just because Adrian Peterson is new to the team and getting carries doesn't mean you can't talk about the fourth string long snapper who's out here building houses for homeless people or yeah. whatever. Because I'm sure there's somebody there you can talk about, mm-hmm. right? You don't need to go out of your way to talk about how Adrian Peterson is a great guy. There's probably some great guys on the field already. Yeah. And like there's a difference between being a great locker room guy and a great human being. And I think Mm -hmm. what we're trying to do is bring it all together. And that's one of the things I feel like is separating what we are doing. Like we're we're not trying to just tell you what they're doing on the field because what they do on the field is fun. But what they do in their homes and personal lives matters. It's like you said about John Gruden. John Gruden can't be racist off the clock. Like these people, these people like Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt, they they're they can't be child abusers off the clock because they have a position of power and prominence as athletes and celebrities that we don't have. And they should be held to the same, if not a higher standard. So I, I'm kind of with you on that. Like, uh, who, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm over the whole optics thing that the NFL is trying to promote. I'm, I'm tired of them over promoting themselves as like this great organization that wants to help all these people. And there's so much evidence to the contrary in other places that tells you that. Also, because this is a little strange, so I'm not a military person, Yeah. but like my cousin is in the National Guard right now. My uncle was in the Navy for 15 years. My grand, my black grandmother's lieutenant colonel in the Army in World War II in Korea. So like there's a strong military tradition around me. So I have a what I think is a healthy respect for servicemen sure. and women and what they do and what they sacrifice. The NFL's relationship with the military is fucking weird. And like, it's really strange. And then if I'm the army, you're like the same organization that is praising me is also praising this dude who's causing bruising to his three-year-old son's testicles. Like if I'm the army, I'm like, I don't want you talking to Adrian Peterson either. You're supposed to be talking good about us. Like it, it's all just strange. Like it, it doesn't make any sense one way or another. So from what I understand, and I don't have full details on this but from what i understand i think there is sort of a financial gain in this relationship obviously and i think that it's almost like the military is paying the nfl for this kind of a sponsorship sort of a thing because they have their Mm -hmm. whole month and i understand that you want to you know okay veterans veterans day things of this nature like there are a lot of people who have given their lives for this country via the military there's others too right but not just in the military so i understand you want to you want to pay homage to that but I kind of agree with you. And then there's merchandise and merchandise. And it's like the over commercialization of something. And it takes away from the actual, like the real meaning behind it. And the NFL, they, 
I just hope the NFL never gets into this place where they're like, oh, it's our social justice month. And it's like, look, folks, social justice isn't a month, right? It's a it's a life practice that we all have to be trying to achieve. And the NFL wants to give us this I this like view of themselves as if they're this wholesome organization, which by the way is trafficking and violence because football is violent, right? And we all know that going in. Like we are we, we understand that. But yet there's so many pieces along the way, so many breadcrumb trails that would lead you down the road of, well, the NFL actually doesn't really care about their players. They don't really care about, you know, like the things that matter to their players. It's a predominantly white ownership group and a predominantly black workforce. And by the way, a predominantly white, I believe, viewership. So like they're catering to a lot of the wrong people for the wrong reasons. And I just think like the NFL is trying to fool us into thinking that they are something that they aren't. And while I look past that every week because I love watching football, like the fundamental game of football, I love watching football, but I'm going to take the NFL to task on certain things because they're an organization, right? It's like, I don't get people on people who are spiritual and have a belief in God, but I'll get on the organization of church because I think that's a different conversation entirely. Like the Catholic church to me is a separate entity than somebody who just has a spiritual belief in a God. Okay, do that. Then the NFL is kind of like Aaron Rodgers, right? They're not willing to come clean on actually what they are. Oh no, we're looking, we're all these things. I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but by the way, here are all the studies that I've read that basically are the anti-vax shit that everybody else is talking about. Like I can't work out with a mask on, dude. Look, I got the shot. I work out all the time. Still here. Yeah. I think part of what makes the relationship between the NFL and the military so weird is I think you're right that there's a financial arrangement to it, which makes it inauthentic. Mm -hmm. But also the armed services are far more minority than the population in general. It's not as extreme as like NFL rosters. But the country is 65% white and the mm-hmm. military is not. No. The military is much more people of color than that. So you have the NFL on the one hand that like traffics and whiteness and almost everything that it does. And then they have this weird relationship with this organization that is far darker than the country in general. But then like, and they're trying to honor, but then it, it just, it, it feels inauthentic and not correct. Not like we shouldn't have you know i i mean i think it's weird to have like flyovers and and the national anthem at sporting events but like when they have like the hometown heroes come out during the third quarter and they're like this guy served in iraq for 97 tours and lost his leg and he's a huge lions fan and we give him a round of applause like that's awesome i feel so good for that dude like that's great um and it gives everybody a chance to think about the sacrifices that servicemen and women are making but most of the relationship between the league and the military doesn't do that it's more like it's it's like um self-congratulatory is not the right word but it's like it just feeds itself and the nfl is like feeding itself off of the military instead of like praising the service and like and not just with their words but like through action Mm -hmm. and the sacrifice of people who are in the military and so it feels like the nfl is not respecting the military authentically which means they're actually being disrespectful to the armed services which then makes me not happy because while i think that it's weird to like have flyovers and giant flags at sporting events it's not okay to be disrespectful to servicemen and women either correct and ultimately it feels like that's what they're doing well the nfl is very hey look at me 
and that's what this relationship is is it's like it's like virtue signaling but to say like hey look at us we support the military yeah. we're awesome and it's right like most people who support the military and are awesome go about their daily lives i mean i you know i, I think you know i mean there's a heavy military presence in in my life obviously my in-laws my brother-in-law went to the air force academy he's currently serving uh, my my father-in-law was in Desert Storm. My father was in the Navy back in Vietnam. So like, there's a lot of military presence around me as well. Mm -hmm. And you know, we never really talk about it. And they know that I appreciate what what is going on. And it's just an unspoken thing. I don't think we have to go over the top about it. I think the other thing that makes it more complicated, and we've gotten off on a huge tangent here, but it's an important one, is I think the the unfortunate part is like respect for the military and military praise has been lumped in so much now with like conservatism and like people who are like overly patriotic, ruining the concept of what it means to be patriotic about something. And those right. people have sullied it a lot for us because it's like, just because you love the military doesn't mean that, you know, like you, you, you can be conservative you can be liberal and actually respect the military the proper way like i feel like you don't have to go around every day thanking service members like it should be something that you embody in your daily life like hey i'm here and have some of the freedoms that i have because i know that there are people in my lineage and also in other people's lineages that have given in some fashion and thank you to them i'm going to live the best life that i can by being a good person and that's the way that I do it. And the NFL just wants the spotlight on them. So we can we can move on from that because we've already given the NFL enough look at me here. We've been talking about it for the last 20 minutes and they're oh, probably jerking off about it. Well, we're not we're not about to be done uh, bashing on the NFL here. But I, that's all right. the word I was looking for was performative. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what it's it is. It's performative. Yes, it is. It's not authentic. It therefore becomes disrespectful. And then I get mad that they're actually disrespecting the military through their like false crazy bullshit mm -hmm. anyways we'll move on to another way of talking bad about the nfl the monday night game we have the bears 27 at the steelers 29 and the bears i mean this was delicious but the bears were screwed by the refs all night long yes they were i mean they were they the bears actually should have won this game and they did it because of the officiating mm -hmm. uh, which i love because fuck the bears but it, it was rough now the the Taunting penalty was one of the worst calls I've ever seen. Cassius Marsh makes a huge sack on a third down to get the Bears defense off the field. He turns to go running off the field. The referee initiates contact with the player, then throws the flag for taunting on the player. Yeah. And honestly, like, I don't think that uh, Tony Corrente is the referee's name. Never go when you know their name. No. Um, uh, I think he should be fired. Like, that was a game-defining play. Like, he is not the star of the show. Nobody cares about him. And the way he threw the flag in the air, like he hit the game-winning three-pointer, like he was stuffed from the logo, just just horrendous. And I'm actually shocked that the Bears didn't pick up like $2 million in fines after the game talking about this. Yeah, the referees, like the, the, the rule is that you should never make contact with a referee, and it should be in reverse as well. And I think that the NFL should be looking into this because I think it is only fair that the referees be looked into as well. Like if Tony Corrente initiated contact and then threw a flag, that's against how they're supposed to be enforcing the rules. And I could go on and on about how stupid the taunting rule is and also how stupid Mike Tomlin is for being for it. But um, that's a very boomer take from him. And I know that you have your thoughts on him as an NFL coach, but... Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Bears got screwed here. Normally, I don't focus on uh, 
refereeing, you know, and like officiating, because I think over the course of a game, there are penalties that happen that are meaningful that just because they happen in the first quarter doesn't mean that they're, you know, any less impactful. Because how many times have we seen a holding penalty stall a drive that may have led to a touchdown or, you know, yep. something like that? Um, but there are games that stand out to you in which the the officiating is so egregious and so bad that it needs to be pointed out because it had an effect on the game the entirety of the game. And I think this was a, a case of that. Um, and what it has done now is convince the Steelers that the Steelers are something and they're they're not. I'm still on that well, train, by the way. I have a note here that the fraudulent Steelers keep frauding, but unfortunately it's going to continue into next week. Do you know who the Steelers play this coming Sunday? They play the Jags? They're home to the Lions. Oh, never mind. That's a win. Actually, yep. so that would be the that would be a great place for the Lions to get their first win to bring the fraudulent Steelers back down to earth. Sack Ben like eight times. Uh, me, my my father-in-law, and a few other people, we were this close to going to this game uh, this you weekend. To to Pittsburgh. Well, Michigan's at Penn State on Saturday. So we were going to go Michigan, Penn State, and then Pittsburgh. Because Pittsburgh is halfway from Detroit to D.C. Yeah. So it's perfect for, for meeting. Um, but we, we ended up not not pulling that uh pull that off but yeah that would have been a nice loss to go to go see the other thing in this game i want to talk about is justin fields mm -hmm. especially as it relates to the 49ers not playing trey lance because this is why you play the rookie quarterbacks justin fields just keeps getting better the more that he plays in this game he goes 17 of 29 for 291 yards a touchdown interception and then adds eight carries for 45 yards on the ground he's getting better every week this is why you let the rookies play. Jordan Love has been sitting behind a Hall of Famer for 18 months, and he looks like garbage when he gets out on the field because he hasn't played. Mm -hmm. Just play them. They will get better. Josh Allen was dog shit his rookie year. Yep. Just play them. Like, and that, that way you also know if they're good or bad after a couple of years. Like, the Giants know they can move on from uh, Danny Dimes. The Panthers knew they could, or the Jets knew they could move on from Sam Darnold. Can the Packers move on from Jordan Love? They don't know. Like, just play the rookies. And Justin Fields with some incredible throws in this game, including the go-ahead touchdown late in the game, just a dime to a streaking Dar uh, Darnell Mooney coming across the formation along the sideline in the end zone. I Every week that goes by, I get even more and more irate that the Lions did not take him. And I am baffled that the Broncos did not take this kid. Yeah, I, this is this is furthering your argument about uh, the Lions taking Panay Sewell, whose name I haven't heard all season long, by the way. And not that you hear linemen's names very often, but... Well, he, he, he tried to fight Aaron Donald, say is that going for him. I mean, a, another guy tried to claim that he fought Aaron Donald and, and lost earlier in the offseason. But I think for Fields, um, I think he is improving um, in spite of, obviously, the coaching staff, because I, I still don't believe that the coaching staff truly knows what to do with him but no the more yeah but the more snaps that he gets the more he's go the more information he's going to download and he's going to get better and i think that if they turn the corner on matt Nagy, but then then maybe that it'll get even better but i'm a little bit concerned that if justin fields continues to improve and they finish like nine and eight something like that that matt is matt Nagy going to keep his job like there, there's no way right like they can't keep him can they or is Justin Fields going to save his ass and he's still not going to know what to do with Fields? Can you pull up the Bears schedule? Sure. Okay. So, because my thought is the Bears getting a nine and eight seems like a miracle. It could be. 
I just threw, here, I just threw, uh, threw, threw a record out there that seemed reasonable given uh, how many games there are left. But that's what. But that's like the bare minimum to keep his job, right? Eight and nine, and he's fired. Probably. So, all right, here you go. So he's getting nine and eight. So, I, what's the Bears' remaining schedule? Uh, their next game is at against the Ravens at home. Loss uh, at the Lions. Oh, Toss up. This is really rough. Uh, the Cardinals at home. Loss. Uh, Packers on the road. Loss. Vikings at home. Loss. At the Seahawks. Loss. Uh, Giants at home. Toss up. And then Vikings uh, on the road. Loss. So, yeah, so like it's a it's it's a tough sled, tough sled. Right, the last. but if they go nine and eight, he should keep his job, right? Oh, That's okay. what we just established by looking at the, the schedule, the, yeah. the run in that they have. So if he gets them the nine and eight, it gets the schedule. I mean, I guess if he beats the Vikings twice, the Lions and the Giants to get there, it yeah. might not be that impressive. But even then, they're not going to win all four of those games. So yeah, but I think they're, they're more likely to lose the Lions by fifty than they are to go nine and eight facing that schedule. Yeah. So if they do then maybe they actually did find something that works and they should keep them, but it's not going to happen. He's getting fired. I don't think it is either, but I think Fields is one of the quarterbacks who can overcome a situation. And I think now that we're halfway through the season, you can see where the ceilings are coming up on. Like Trevor Lawrence, I think still has a high ceiling, but man, that situation is not helping him at all. Um, Obviously Fields has a high ceiling. I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm wondering if Wilson has a very, very hard floor like like rock bottom kind of floor um oh yeah you know what i mean like because he's looked really bad uh, i know that he hasn't played in a couple weeks but um he, was, but he was he he was the least ready to play in the nfl out of all of them yeah including trey lance because trey lance's size and running ability yeah so zach wilson gets a full josh allen butt cheeks ear mm-hmm. to to like figure stuff out and then he really starts getting judged yes uh next year so zach wilson could just yeah. we'll, we'll see in 2022 so i think taken away from this game fields is getting better the steelers i think are being uh falsely led to believe that they matter in and in mm-hmm. terms of like relevancy in the afc and i just don't think that they do and but again i feel like all these results at the end of the season we're gonna have our recap see you know recap episode about the regular season and I think a majority of what we felt going into the season will be mostly true because I think the cream does rise to the top. You have some outliers every year, but I just don't see the Steelers sustaining this throughout the entirety of a season. And with an extra game now, guys are going to start getting hurt. You know, we're going to be worn down, um, you know, come later in the season, come like 16, 17, 18 weeks. And I just don't see them. I just don't see them making any noise, to be honest with you. Kind of like the Patriots. Like, I don't think we're going to see the Patriots in that seven spot. I don't think we're going to see the Steelers there either because I think the teams underneath them, like the Browns, are going to figure it out and get hot, and then things are going to be right back to where we thought they should be. I completely I completely agree with with that assessment of the Steelers, but they're going to have another week of thinking that there's something. Um, also, if, if Najee Harris gets hurt, it's as devastating as Derrick Henry. Yeah, I mean, I have to admit, I mean, we said that he wasn't, he, he didn't make them have a good running game, but I think that his talent has shown out and he has overplayed what I think they had set up there for him. And he's looked great. I mean, he has. He's looked excellent. Dual threat guy, um, great attitude. And yep. I, I've, I've actually very much enjoyed watching him play. It's been a pleasant surprise. Yep, he looks great. And they should have taken Ramondre uh, Stevenson in the fourth instead. <laughs> Steve, look, Stevenson does look good. 
Like he yeah. has looked a lot better. And you're right, there's a toughness there. I kind of likened him to when the Patriots had LeGarrette Blunt. Like you knew they gave it to him to basically bash somebody's skull in on the other side because he wasn't going to break a 98-yard run for you. You know, LeGarrette Blunt actually bashed somebody's yeah, skull in exactly. college. Yeah, was it with Oregon? The, the, or was it Oregon? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, it was against Oregon. Um, I mean, it's sort of like the Jokic, Markeith Morris thing. Like the the Oregon kid kind of had it coming the way he was running his mouth at him. Yeah. But you still can't. Just, I mean, LeGarrette Blunt is three times his dude's size. Like you yes. can't just haul off and hit him like that. But I, I'm not saying I agree. I'm saying I understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can understand and not agree. Yep. So. Okay. Uh, looking forward to next week. Let me pull this up here. Thursday night game, we have the Ravens at the Dolphins, which if Tua's not back, is going to be just an absolute slaughter. Mm-hmm. See, I'm going through. I've not actually looked at the games next week yet in total, so I'm going through and looking. We have the Saints at the Titans. They might pick up another win, Matt. Yeah, that one. So that one intrigued me because it's um, a, you know a team that has been considered quote-unquote good, but Trevor Simeon obviously is okay. And, I mean, if Trevor Simeon plays like he has been, if he plays okay – and the Titans defense isn't creating, you know, basically 14 points for them. I think this the Saints could pull a win out win there, you know, if, if I'm if I'm being honest, like if if looking at it in totality. So I kind of thought that maybe this was a little bit telling for the Titans that it wasn't just a gimme or a layup. Uh, Elvin Kamara did not practice today with the knee injury, mm-hmm. so we'll have to see if he goes. But could you imagine that game? No Derrick Henry, no Elvin Kamara. Who cares? And no Matty Ice watching it, that's for sure. Right. Uh, the Bills are in a get-right spot. They are at the Jets, so Cleve is going to learn real quick about his shit talking about Josh Allen. Yeah, I, I find um, his absolutism with some of these uh, games like so entertaining, and I guess I shouldn't because last year he was that guy. Every If Tua had a bad series, he's like, this guy's a bum. And I just find it interesting that he goes from 0 to uh, 100 on up. See, the Bills are frauds. And I'm like, wait, well, I mean yeah teams have bad games like it happens if you watched any team on their worst game you'd think that they were terrible and every super bowl champion has had a clunker every one of them except for the 07 patriots it's waited until the super bowl to do it yeah you're welcome Mm. uh lions at steelers we mentioned that that'll be a just fun time for me the jaguars are at the colts so the colts pick another w bucks at the washington football team a rematch of the playoff game last year. I can see the Bucks struggling in this spot for like yeah. two and a half to three quarters and then winning by 14 points. Yeah, I could see that. Washington football team we thought was elite on defense and they're not. And it's like they hang tough for a little bit because it's an away game. And then I think they're, are they coming off the bye? The Bucks coming off a bye? Yep. Yeah. And then uh, both of them are. Okay. And then the Bucks are like, wait a minute, we're better than this team. Yep. Uh, we have the Browns at the Patriots, so a good test of your theory that the Patriots look good but might not be great. Yeah, and this is also important because right now the Patriots have a tiebreaker on the Browns through other means, and so that head-to-head matchup for either team is really impactful. Like if for some reason the Patriots can continue to be good, not great, and they get to 10 wins, right? And let's say the Browns can't quite figure it out. Like these head-to-head matchups sometimes matter in, in, in conference. So I think that it's a big deal for the Patriots one, because we want to see how they play against what we consider a Super Bowl caliber team. And then for the Browns two, getting wins in the conference, because, you know, starting out four and four, you know, that, that was not what we thought that they would be after eight games. 
That is correct. The next game, uh, Cowboys in a get-right spot, too, but could be tricky. They host the Falcons. So this feels like a trap game. To me, it does. And it's only because I know they came off the, the Broncos game, which wasn't a trap game feel, but it's like, okay, we can get ourselves right. And the Falcons have shown this year that they can do it in flashes. And if they do it in flashes against the Cowboys, they could score 30 something points and maybe sneak out a victory. Like I, this one gives me a little bit of pause, but I still think the Cowboys should win this game. But man, I don't know. Like that, that's a game that doesn't make me feel great. If I'm a Cowboys fan after the way that they look last week, totally opposite fuel for me, take the Cowboys to cover. I think the Falcons struggle with teams that can play legitimate defense. The Cowboys are that they don't have Kelvin Ridley. Trayvon Diggs can cover Kyle Pitts. If, uh, if he wants, and the Cowboys can score in bunches, I actually think that this is a get-right spot for the Cowboys, and I like the Cowboys to win this game going away. So it's going to be very interesting next week. So you have opposite opinions here. Well, we do, but I also have a personal stake because uh, obviously I have people who want to know the flow of the game. So I'll let you know how the flow of the game is going uh, as it's it's happening. Uh, Panthers are at the Cardinals, RIP Panthers. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Vikings are at the Chargers. That's a very interesting game. I cannot wait for Justin Jefferson to have four catches and a two-point loss. Yeah, I feel like the Vikings are a team that we continually think are supposed to be better than they are, and I just, I don't know. They're not going to put it together. I, I just don't think that they are, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, I am going back to the well. I can already tell a DFS this week. I'm going to play Justin Jefferson, or uh, Justin Herbert double stacks with a Justin Jefferson bring back. And it's going to be really smart and really sharp, just like it was this week. And he's going to get four targets. I'm going to have to book a flight to L.A. and try to fight Mike Zimmer. It's going to go poorly for me because that dude's in shape. But still, it's about honor. Yeah. We have the Seahawks at the Packers. If there's no Aaron Rodgers because Russ is back, this is that that has potential to go real bad for the Packers. Yeah, and I thought Russ being back was uh, was the news on this one. So uh, it'll be good to see Russ back because I'm 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 good with Gino for a while. <laughs> yeah, they survived though. They, they survived Gino. They did survive, man. And uh, <laughs> ooh, that <laughs> that 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 was a lot of stress, I think, for for Pete Carroll and crew. Yeah, I think we can expect White Mike to be the backup for Russ uh, starting next year. Yep. We have the Eagles at the Broncos. If the Broncos aren't frauds, they have to absolutely handle their business here. Correct. I still think they're fraudulent, but we'll see. Me too, but the Eagles are not good. So for them to not be fraudulent, this is a must-win spot. Yeah. We have the Sunday night game. We have the Chiefs at the Raiders. Uh, Last year, this was a win for the Raiders. After I called the Raiders Mike Pence and the Chiefs Kamala Harris, Mm -hmm. that was uh, scary. Uh, (laughs) I don't – this is interesting. This – game should be a shootout indoors uh sunday night i just i can see the raiders getting this one yeah me too i actually think the raiders are gonna win because i i I, i'm not ready to say it just yet about the chiefs but i'm very very close to thinking that they're not gonna fix it and if they they looked terrible against the packers without jordan love 13 points like mahomes is thrown for a buck 60 um, I think the Raiders can put up some points because remember we said last year the Raiders in two games played them better than every other team played them except for the Bucks in the Super Bowl and it was because they put up points and slung it on them and I think that's what they're going to do this time and yeah look the Raiders are coming off that loss to the Giants it's not a loss that you want but it's a big it's a big deal because the Raiders I think have to feel and, and believe 
that they have a chance to win this division with the Chiefs being where they are and that they have a chance here. And I, I think actually think they're going to win. I think they're going to win handily. Wow. Okay. I like that. That is a, uh, I sorry, I got Megan yelling at me here. I don't know. I don't know what for. I, do, do you want to talk about the Rams and the 49ers? Oh, now she's getting all shy. She's running away. All right. Monday night game. We got the Rams and the 49ers. Now, if the 49ers play Jimmy G in this game, the Rams are going to win this game. I don't want to be hyperbolic, but they're going to win this game by about 9,000 points. So this is a game, in my opinion, if the 49ers lose, um, this is the stake in the coffin for their season. And I think should be the stake in their coffin for Jimmy G. I, I personally don't know what else Kyle Shanahan needs to see. And like you, I'm starting to flip a little bit on Shanahan, but I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because I know there is an elite coach in there. It's just he's having this brain fart with putting Jimmy G, taking Jimmy G out of the game. And I don't understand what it is. And at this point, your season is lost. Put Trey Lance in there. It's definitely lost if they lose this game. Oh, yeah. So it would be nice if Trey Lance had some more experience under his belt for this must-win situation. Exactly. Whatever. Yeah, he'll figure it out. I can't wait till we are, are doing a live show from the Super Bowl with Trey Lance and the 49ers against uh, Zach Wilson and the Jets. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for 9 million years from now when the Jets make the Super Bowl either. Yeah. Maybe strong. Maybe you got any, you got any positive stories for so us? Actually, yeah. Najee Harris. Um, apparently he, um, he went back to California and there's a homeless shelter that he was apparently staying at at some point in his life mm -hmm. when he was a kid. And I guess they helped, uh, he helped to collaborate and renovate the place. Like they basically took it and gave it a whole new shine floors, uh, everything. They had like a hundred volunteers. Uh, they planted new gardens, put new play areas and things for vets and so forth. And so I thought that was really cool because there's a lot of stories of athletes who, um, you know, either were homeless or, or didn't have a home. I mean, you know, Warwick Dunn does all that work with building homes. Yep. And didn't he build, um, who was it? It wasn't Lamar, was it? Um, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, that's right. And um, and I thought, I think those stories are actually really neat when you see a, a person really come out of a really terrible situation, uh, make something of themselves, and then give back. And that's why I've been loving watching Najee Harris because I think obviously on the field he looks great, but so far he's been proving that he's a good human being to go along with it. And I generally tend to root for those guys, even if they play on a team that I don't personally like so i've always liked Najee harris going back going back to high school we're really different and unique unique dude the broadcast though yeah said they, that when he was in alabama he slept on the floor instead of the bed because mm -hmm. it was more comfortable for him and this is embarrassing for a couple reasons one it's not true correct and two that was J josh jacobs when he was at alabama yeah so you have it like, oh, our Alabama running backs, we can't keep straight that we're homeless and what they were doing. It was Josh Jacobs that slept on the floor. It was only like his first three days yeah, or something. I mean, Saban has so many running backs come through there. I'm sure he probably gets them messed up too. <laughs> so, by, the, by the way, Dave, before we go out, um, how do you feel about Michigan over Michigan State in the, in the playoff? I know there's a lot of controversy over that, but I've heard – uh, many things i'm just curious from your perspective as a guy who obviously roots for michigan but knows a lot about football um do you think that that was a completely weird result after what happened this weekend or do you think it does make sense it makes perfect sense for a couple of reasons one michigan only lost that game because of the refs mm -hmm. um that's not the only reason they lost but it is a reason why they lost um they also lost because that Kenneth Walker run for five touchdowns and yeah, 200 so yards and yeah. they also not allowed that they would have won yes but even with that they still would have won, right? Yep. Um, and so there's that. 
the college football playoff rankings rank are supposed to rank the teams that they think are best mm-hmm. in order to think they're best. Right. Nobody watched Michigan, Michigan State and came away with the thought that Michigan State was better than Michigan. So when Michigan State was undefeated and had a win over Michigan, of course, Michigan State's got to be ranked higher and they deserve to be. But Michigan State is ass. And I knew they were ass, which is why I bet Purdue on the money line to win because they can't stop anybody through the air. And I knew they were bad. Not only did I bet Purdue on the money line, I put David Bell in all my DFS lineups and I traded for him in my college football fantasy league. That's how confident I was that David Bell, who went like 11, 222 on Michigan State, was going to have a good game. But the truth is, it doesn't matter because both teams kind of control their own destiny. Mm -hmm. Michigan needs help, but that help will come in the form of Ohio State destroying Michigan State the week before Michigan and Ohio State play, in which case then Michigan will control their own destiny against Ohio State. Or Michigan State can just win out and they're golden anyways. So it really doesn't matter where they are right now. If State wins out, they're in the playoff. If Michigan wins out, they're probably in the playoff because Ohio State will probably beat Michigan State. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a it's a much ado about nothing, and I'm kind of trolling my Michigan State people who I know might be listening to this right now. Um, State did deserve to win the game. I want to make sure that's on record and on, and on the broadcast. State deserved to win the game because um, Michigan made too many mistakes. But if, for nonpartisans who watch that game, now that each team has one loss, like Michigan's loss is Michigan State. Michigan State's loss is Purdue. That's a terrible loss. And if you wanted to pick which team is going to lose by less to Alabama, it's Michigan. Yeah. I actually agree with you. I thought they were making much ado about nothing because the the committee is ranking the teams that are best in that moment. But you also have to look forward as well and think about who's truly best. Like there's a lot of factors and like, yes, there's a there's a, you know, one on one on one result there. But I feel like that wasn't completely telling because they beat Michigan and then immediately lose to Purdue. So what does that tell you? I mean, it's like Iowa. Iowa, we knew wasn't the number two ranked team in the country. They're total frauds at number two. And look where they are now. If Michigan and Michigan State both win all the rest of their games, Michigan State will re-jump Michigan because they will win the Big Ten East, they will win the Big Ten, and therefore they will have another quality win and they will jump Michigan in the end. So it really doesn't actually matter. It's just a great chance for me to troll my Sparties. Well, that sounds like a good place to kind of you know cut things off for the week. So we had a little bit of a, a different vibe this week. We had Cleve for the first half and me and you basically for like the last hour almost. So it's like yep. two shows in one. And I felt like what we got into um, on the, the NFL stuff and the optics, I thought was was really, really good stuff. And I think Cleve would have been great for that too. But it's always nice when you have conversations that come out of random, you know, sort of, sort of things. And like I said, football is important, but there's a lot of stuff that happens in and around football that affects our daily lives and i think it's important that we touch on it so um definitely had a good time with you this week dave and and it was good to kind of get used to all this new stuff in the studio it's a little bit yeah, weird congrats and, on your new equipment i hey, know you're so excited well you know what um sometimes you got to invest in yourself and i feel like it's it was the right time to uh to invest and hopefully the listeners are rewarded with a better show and we can focus less on the technical stuff and more on the the kick-ass content but um before we get out of here just want to remind you again and i want to remind dave pay attention the instagram is political football podcast uh the twitter is at maddie s media those are the handles and of course maddie s media.com for uh, the manual with cleve wason which is a podcast that really started all of this and 
has had a little bit of a hiatus but um, i had a good time with you buddy so you know have fun this weekend we'll be texting offline and uh you know take care and make sure you know hug your loved ones i'm telling you holidays are coming up um you know I, you generally tend to miss the opportunities that, that you didn't take so take advantage this this uh, holiday season day if it's important i will also throw it to justin jefferson that's right mike zimmer go fuck yourself have a great week everyone we'll talk to you later peace the opinions and viewpoints expressed on political football are those of cleve dave and maddie ice and not necessarily those of the maddie ice media network Political football is exclusively owned by Cleve, Dave, and Matty Ice and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.